Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. And thanks to everybody who, uh, who took um, their time and their energy to, to strap this thing together so that we could all be here. Um, uh, I, I, I'm thinking my reception, I'm looking really slow on my camera, like I'm moving slow or something, but I'm thinking that, you know, I'm just going to do this. And if you need to shut me off or whatever, I don't want you to miss my, my Renoir though, here behind me with zoom, we've always really wanted to work hard at our background. So some guy down in the corner sold me this Renoir for 10 bucks. And I thought that's a hell of a deal. So I've got this behind me. Uh, he lives in a tent, but, uh, he needed the 10 bucks probably more than I needed the painting, but I needed something for you guys today for Zoom. So you get to admire my Monet or Renoir or whatever it was he said it was. It's nice. So uh, I got a uh, a pretty daunting task here, really, <laughs> to go first with my friends and 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 my mentors and uh, uh, my my like we have this collegial relationship where we bounce stuff off of each other and. Uh, I just want to quickly say, uh, I, I don't think uh, uh, Charlie and, and Chris and, and Peter, I don't know if he's here yet, know in any way, shape or form how much they've influenced me, my recovery, my sobriety, uh, by virtue of these messages that get passed along uh, on recordings and tapes. And, and since that time, uh, they've become my friends. And I so enjoy um, the, the continuity of our relationship over all of these years, getting sober, maybe a little less violent about it and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> enjoy that part of being sober is there's much more peace in my life hey chris there's a lot more peace in our life today than there used to be and uh and i want to share some of that with you because we're talking about a treasure map we're talking about you know it was a it was a very interesting sort of topic arrangement that we were going for here and and uh you know it was it was the people that pulled the, the fellowship of the spirit conference together that came up with this idea and uh uh and, and it's a wonderful idea. And I hope that if there's anybody new here today is that you can get drawn in by our energy because sometimes it's going to sound like we're talking a little beyond not drinking, but we're not. We're really talking about this insidious disease, the mania that comes along with being an alcoholic and an untreated alcoholic and how we can discover some form of, of resolution around that and enjoy a life. And there's a journey there. And that journey is like, seeking and we're seeking the treasure and and i think that it's hard not to sort of examine a little bit about what that is have a conversation about what that is but you need to know a little bit about me i uh, i i drank like an alcoholic when i started i couldn't stop and i couldn't stay stopped it's just uh, you know i had lots of reasons in between my first drink and my last drink to stop and i just couldn't do it when i uh uh was was actively uh, participating in my own drinking life, uh, crime and violence and all kinds of insidious behavior became a, a, just a normal way of life to me. And, and our book tells us that our, our alcoholic lives seem like the only normal and going to prison and, and being on parole and all that stuff was just normal. You know, having that calamity and that stuff, court dates, you know, it's not unusual for me to wear a jacket and tie. Although that's just why they don't stay on long. It's the only time I ever wore that stuff. But, uh, so that was my drinking life. And I come from alcoholism. I come from a home that was uh, uh, wrought with uh, violence and fun and dancing and music and, and uh, cops and, and beatings. And, and that was the home I was raised in, this Irish Catholic home. And, uh, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Now, that's after conversations with Sandy Beach. That's not when I first got sober, I was a poster boy for the Children's Aid Society. And you guys were all patting me on the back, you poor thing. And as a great big 220 pound man out of prison, I really liked your compassion and your affection. So 
I even beefed it up a little bit about how crazy it was. So that stuff has all changed. And that's why when we're talking about this stuff so many years later, it's coming from a perspective of, of uh, what I what I used to know, which is pretty much all wrong. My current agnosticism, which is just stuff I haven't found out wrong yet, and the stuff that I'm sitting today thinking about tomorrow that's going to be wrong too. And I spend every day spiritually just trying to discover what old ideas I've been wrong about. And uh, and and it's how I it's how I get to this this place where where there's not a lot of conflict, there's not a lot of disorganization in my life. Other people around me would say that's ridiculous, but I'm telling you, in spite of of all the uh, opinions around me, I am. Uh, in love with Alcoholics Anonymous. Before we go any further, I just want to talk really quickly about something that uh, was, was, we're talking about the fellowship of the spirit. I saw all this pop on here and I saw Donna G on here a little while ago. And I just want to say to you too, and if there's anybody else here that was there that day, last Sunday, I, I told Ali this when we were just talking, I said, last Sunday was probably the, my best uh, sober Alcoholics Anonymous day since the pandemic began. And uh, all this and a crew of folks came up from, from the Bronx, from the Bronx Big Book Study crew, and they they got an Airbnb here in Toronto and they put on a beautiful gathering for us. And we sat in the afternoon on a Sunday afternoon, a week ago tomorrow, and we cried together and we laughed and we smiled and we hugged. And I'm going to start crying now, right? I hadn't been around you at all. That was only my second event. You know, Jane and, uh, and her husband had us up to her place. And that was a beautiful, beautiful experience. And a couple of weeks later, uh, I'm with these folks at this Airbnb. I need you. I need to be with you. I'm a died in the wool big book guy. I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I love the 12 steps, but I need to be with you. I can't do this alone. I, I need to be with you. And we felt that in that room that day. You look around the room and they were hardcore big book guys. We read a little paragraph out of the book and then spent the next two and a half hours talking about how in love we were with this, this power and this fellowship. It was unbelievable. And I all this from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you. And uh, Kevin, we missed you. Your name came up a lot. Mostly making jokes about you and shit, but it came up a lot. So but it, was, it was important for you to know that. I uh, <clears throat> really quickly here is 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 what I want to do is uh, if you don't believe, and if you haven't had this experience, I I I, I really want to sort of encourage uh, some some level of open mindedness. I was uh, I read the Sermon on the Mount probably when I was two or three years sober by accident. I, just, I didn't do any of these things back then on by direction or on purpose. I, I, it was by accident. And uh, I read this little paperback book called the Sermon on the Mount. And I thought, what a good book. That's lovely. And it reminded me of the child, the Catholic childhood that I had been raised. And I thought, hmm, that's pretty cool. You know, 20 years later, I'm on a chaise lounge on the beach in the Dominican Republic. And I'm reading Sermon on the Mount. And I white out. I white out in my lounge. I roll over onto my knees, sobbing with tears, with gratitude and filled heart with the love and the life that I've been given. And if you know anything about if you've read the Sermon on the Mount, you know, it says for where your treasure is, there will your heart be. And this is what we're talking about here is it's about consciousness. It has nothing to do with with uh, uh, the dynamics and, and, and the sort of inf we can go to meetings and get lit up when we identify with people. But the whole idea here is about living this life of sobriety is turning my consciousness to this power, a constant reconciliation of turning my consciousness to this power. I can't live a way of, of uh, uh, frustration and pain and agony. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. And although all of those things are, are absolutely normal, we can't stay there. And the minute, and tells me in step 11, the minute I turn my consciousness to this power, that stuff evaporates. 
the minute I do that. And then we're directed to carry that message to alcoholics who still suffer. That's actually the message is that we can be free of all things. Well, I don't know this stuff when I come here. I love AA. I get sober on July the 16th, 1987. I'm standing in a jail cell. I scream out for help and that help comes. The room lights up, with, it filled up with light. My chest and my heart went, holy shit, something really heavy happened. I stood up and I knew I was free. And I was. And for the next 14 years in Alcoholics Anonymous, my life was unbelievable. I went to meetings every day. I was in my sponsor's back pocket. I knew that uh, for the first five years that Alcoholics Anonymous was all about not drinking. I knew that. Don't drink. Don't drink. Go to meetings. That's what I heard. So I knew it was a big part of it. Don't drink. God damn it. Don't drink. And so I went to a lot of meetings talking about not drinking. And then sometime around that, that range, I started to have children and stuff and, and be in, involved in relationships and that. And then I started thinking, oh, my God, it's not about not drinking. For the next for years, five to nine, it was all about love. You know, and if you hear my old talks from back then, you, you'll hear that love, 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 bed, bath and beyond bags for everybody. We're all hugging on each other. And it's all about the love, you know, <laughs> so, love. And, we're giving, you know, and then I, I, I just met a couple of those Jesus guys. And I thought, oh, my God, it's not about not drinking. It's not about love. This is about this is about God. Capital G, that capital G God they're talking about in our steps. That's what they're talking about. It's all this thing's all about God. So it was God, 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 God. You know, I'm running naked through the woods like Robert Blythe, Jess, and I'm we're giving each other polished stones and pyramids and all that shit. <laughs> it's all about the power. It's all about God. And 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 I'm lit up with a I don't go, I, I speak. I sponsor guys. I'm having a great experience. At 14 years sober, and this is where this is where my life changes. And I hope this happens for everybody. You don't even know you're in the darkness until you step into the light and recognize that you're in the darkness. You don't know. You know, uh, Bob Darrell talks about the lamplighter story. You can't see where God is, uh, where he is right now, but you can see where he's been. And I'm sitting there 14 years sober. I'm speaking on, on Sunday morning spiritual speaker because I'm so connected to God. And I am so, so it's the real truth is I've got a big mouth and I love telling jokes. And so they had me uh, for a high time on the Sunday morning at these conferences. And the main banquet speaker is a fellow who I hadn't uh, known very well. And uh, I, I heard a little bit about him. I knew he was a little bit gruff and a little bit sort of on the edge and maybe a little bit serious about this AA thing. And we're outside, we're having cigarettes. He was smoking about five of them at a time. And, uh, you know, I was joining him and uh, we were talking about fitness and healthcare. He was a big barrel chested man with a white beard. He looked like James Coburn. And, and I just thought he was like cowboy. And I really dug him, right? I'm a little, like, little hillbilly myself from Canada. So I just really dug this guy. We're shooting shit and laughing. Oh my God, we're laughing about some stuff. And he's asking me about my AA life. And I start telling him what a great AA guy I am. You know, I <laughs> I run AA in Canada, man. And so I'm telling him this, right? And, and, he, and he's listening to me for like a half an hour, puffing away. And he says, you know, son, he says, you're asleep, dreaming, you're awake. I'm going to probably come back, I hope, to that word awakening. We're talking about the treasure map of AA. We're talking about the treasure. We're talking about a treasure, something that we're going to seek. He says, you're asleep, dreaming, you're awake. After my insult subsided, I said, what the hell are you talking about? He says, I can tell there's an experience in AA that you haven't even had. And I said, man, weren't you listening? <laughs> I was telling you about I've had every AA experience there ever was to have. You know, I could probably learn you a few things, Hillbilly. And he said, if you want to have that experience, he says, well, we could talk up in my room. I followed that man into his room and I'd never gone to a hotel room with a man leading me in my life. But I followed that man into this room and he walked in the door and I walked in behind him and I shut the door and I really didn't know what I was doing. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience being led to a meeting when you were new or being introduced to somebody that you really uh, respect. I was timid. I was nervous. I knew nothing of this man. And he turned around to me and he said, tell me about your drinking. 
And for about five minutes, I told him what I thought I was about my drinking that was problematic, the trouble, the conflict, all that kind of stuff, the hurt, the pain in my family, all those things that I could on a Sunday morning make the crowd cry with when I was talking about my mother coming to see me in prison. He said, lovely, thank you for sharing. But he said, do you know about powerlessness at all? You either are or you aren't. It's the only issue in AA. You either need power or you don't. After a brief conversation, I was qualified in Alcoholics Anonymous for the first time in 14 years of sobriety. Nobody had ever qualified me as an alcoholic. You let me sit there. You let me talk. You let me whine. You let me bitch. And when in Rome, I did as the Romans did. I did exactly the environment and the culture that I lived in was exactly what I did. I went to 12 and 12 meetings every single day. My home group was a 12 and 12. We sat around read and talked about the steps every single day. And Mark asked me outside. He said, have you ever taken the steps? And I said, well, of course I have. I'm 14 years sober. I belong to a 12 and 12 meeting. We read the steps every week. He said, ask you if you studied them. Have you ever taken them? And I had to, I had to say, no, I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. And we talked about the proposition in step two. I believe, come to believe that there was something going on. As I said to you, God had started to become a part of my sobriety in around 10, nine, 10 years sober. And I started to believe in this, in this, that there was something, but he said, God is either everything else is nothing. What's your choice? Now I had already explained him some of the antics and the activities that I've got up to in, in recovery. And this is what it looked like. It looked like promiscuity. It looked like uh, lying and cheating and stealing for money and, and, and wares. Now, as long as I wasn't going back to prison and I wasn't getting drunk, I was good. And my life was lit up. You asked my, I had a car that had the same license plate on the front as the back. I'm shitting you not. It was miraculous. AA had come, it had, had, had done the miraculous. And my mother and my father and family, they, they believed in you. They said, oh, my God, who's this kid? You completely changed me. I'm having children now. I got one of them job things. You know, I'm earning money. I, I'm educated. I, I'm living this beautiful life. And inside, he said, your God is either everything else. There's nothing. You told me about a life based on self. And I said, well, he must be everything. And he said, would you take a third step with me? And I said, well, what are you talking about? And we talked about selfishness and self-centeredness and the role it had played in my life. Guys, I'm talking about 10, 12 minutes. I listened. He spoke. He shoved the coffee table away and we got down on our knees and he draped his big arms over my shoulders and I got underneath him and I could actually, I could smell his deodorant. That's how close we were. And, and I could smell cigarettes too, but that's how close we were. We were, we were bound up pretty tight. And he paused for the longest, most uncomfortable time I had ever spent in my life. And then all of a sudden, the discomfort left. And he said, God, I offer myself to thee, to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. I thought, where's he getting these words from? They're beautiful. This is incredible. Where's he getting this from? 14 years sober. The culture I was in, the climate I was in, the area I lived in, there was no big books around. And if there was, I walked into a big book meeting by accident, and we read a story in the back and talked about our identification. That's it. That's it. And he, he recited this third step prayer and he stayed on me for a couple of seconds after him. I mean, major, uncomfortable, beautiful, unbelievable pauses. And something happened inside of me. And when we stood up, I was a different man than I was when I got on the floor. And I, he put me in inventory for the first time. I had done an, I had done an inventory in Alcoholics Anonymous out of the big book. I'd looked at some of that stuff in the 12 and 12. I wrote down my life story at some point. None of it had to do with anything. But there was no directions to, to take a fourth step. And he, put, he pointed me to the directions. A short time after that, I clarified that the things were going the way they were meant to be going. And, uh, and that was the last time I spoke with Mark Houston. And my life had changed. Bang. Just like that. Now, I don't know why I get asked to sort of come here and talk about that. But I want to talk very quickly about what happened in that experience. 
For 14 years, I sponsored a stable of guys. And this is why it's important. And I spent 14 years solving their problems. I was a guy who robbed, stole, lied, and cheated. I'd never been in a solid relationship, not even in prison. <laughs> I, had been, I, I had had all kinds of sort of difficulties in my life on my willfulness and all that kind of stuff. But guys, grown men would call me and ask me my advice. And I'd give it to them. Anything. You ask men asking me, where should my children go to college? I'd come up with some bullshit answer because I thought that's what we were supposed to do. And for 14 years, my answer machine was full of questions that I would answer. One right after the other. Total dictation, total, total control over your life. If you didn't do what I told you, I fired you, god damn it. <laughs> it's like you stay away from her now. She's brand new in this program. You don't you don't stay away from her. We're done. That kind of stuff. And guys, gals, it was exactly the way it was all around me. There was no program. There was no 12 steps. There was no treasure map. There was no information about a destination, getting anywhere. Not drinking was the objective. So what happens is I go through my life living that life and, and experiencing that life and meeting some of you. And, 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 and when my life turned around, I went to all these guys that I sponsored and I said to them, there's, there's, we've been shortchanging here. There's something much more here than I think we were, we were exposed to. And most of my guys left. They weren't even alcoholic. I pulled them in and kept them in with goodwill. That's what I did. I saw, you know, I, I, I solved their problems. I became their mentor. There, none of the guys would go to meetings or help anybody else. Nobody sponsored anybody. There was none of that stuff going on. I was the king of my fiefdom. That's how it was. And, and I was that guy in Hamilton. You know, I was that guy that you got a rough edge. You're a little bit tough, a little bit incorrigible, you know, and send them to Marty. And I was that guy. And some of these guys would not drink anymore, but most of them weren't even alcoholic to begin with. And my ego constituted a massive massive array of self-fulfillment from that believing like i had accomplished something indeed miraculous and mark picked it up in my talk i move into this sort of process of these 12 steps which is truly the treasure map the treasure map is the 12 steps they happen to be contained in our big book but the real treasure and 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 the real like because i want to talk about the destiny we know that the treasure map is the 12 steps as we laid before us is we can follow these directions and we will get to a destination and we know that the destination is transient we know that there's no landing spot where we're all done we know this but here's really in my estimation the objective now I'm 34 years sober, 20 years post-experience. I've had all kinds of life experiences because I'm 57 now. So in that, I lose my parents. I have sick children, addiction uh, on the streets, you know, suicide attempts. I have a daughter right now who's got brain cancer slash lung cancer, who's going through treatments. And I've got grandchildren. I've got, I've got this life that's so full. I have a career that I absolutely love. I'm out there with the folks in the tents and I'm loving every minute of it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, my life is full. It is so beautifully and wonderfully full. But the minute that I turn my consciousness away from God, willfulness comes in. And I don't know how long that can last. It can last sometimes for two minutes or can last for two days. In spite of my disciplines, in spite of my desire. and my, You know, here you hear about people all the time that go on their knees and they don't feel connected. That happens to me too. You know, we are not inspired at all times. If we believe that, we're going to, crazy shit's going to happen in our lives. We need to be constantly driven back to the need for God. And so this consciousness, turning my attention to God is what's always set me free. And I told you guys about, many of you have heard it, I'm not going to go through it, about getting the information that my daughter had suicide, tried to commit suicide. She hung herself in her, in her apartment when I was driving to my meeting that night. And I went into an absolute rage and I smashed everything in the front seat of my car. 
And what happened was my consciousness turned to God and all of that stopped. All of that stopped and I became useful. Was I in pain? Absolutely. But I became useful and I became free. Does that make any sense? Pain does not, does not indicate a lack of freedom. <laughs> pain indicates a, 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 an indication of life that I'm actually human. And you have to know that at 19 years old in a holding cell in Millennium Penitentiary, they diagnosed me as, as sociopathic. They didn't think I, they kept me in the shoe for, for a long time because I didn't play well with others. The shoe was a special handling unit. Two reasons. One, I was a kid. And secondly, it was like, I didn't play well with others. And now all these years later, I've got this fulfillment coming inside of me about love and care and compassion for other human beings. And so turning my consciousness to God becomes the objective. It is what I seek. And where is it that we seek that? Where is it that we seek that? Deep down inside ourselves is where we seek that. Our lives are, are blocked and, and obstructed by pomp and calamity and worship. Pomp is thinking I know shit I don't know. You know, that's why what I know yesterday doesn't mean anything. And, 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 and calamity is the trouble, the, the crisis that gets, been, gets dropped on your plate and you make big deals out of everything. When in fact, I don't know what difficulty you're having today, but I challenge people with this all the time. I want you to go back to November the 20th, 2020 and tell me what was going wrong that day. And 99% of you won't be able to remember it, but God damn it, it was terrible. You know, it was terrible. It was life changing, but you won't be able to remember it because here we are. Our consciousness gets changed. And I'm sitting here today and these elements and these things that I'm talking to you about are yesterday. My daughter, Dana, was a week ago Sunday, found out that she had tumors in her lungs. She's got lung cancer, too, on top of her brain cancer. Don't tell me about the power of this program and the power of these steps and the power of this God that I've been connected to. You can't. Because the minute that I, I, I'm there for my daughter, she weeps in my arms. We ask what we can do. We ask how we can be of service. How can we help? What can we do? And then I turn my consciousness to God and say, hello, God. I need you here. <laughs> I need you here. And all of a sudden, things become somewhat um, okay. And, and again, if you know me, you know that I get up in the morning, I do my thing, I go to my work, I come home, I got a little puppy dog, I got a family, sometime I'll jump on a Zoom and like Kevin said, or no, I think it was Ali, is I don't take a whole lot seriously anymore. Um, and I don't think it's because I'm mental, because part of me thinks sometimes that I'm actually, there's something wrong with me, because you're all pretty funny. I mean, I try not to laugh when you're telling me some really painful stuff. I try. But here's the problem, is that I know that in your darkest hour, in your darkest hour, is when the most grace is going to come flooding into you. I know that. And, 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 and I'm, so, uh, uh, I'm so enmeshed in that that I think to myself, oh, you're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. And there's a lot of people on this. Like I said at the beginning, and I really hope there's some new people here and that you understand that this goes beyond not drinking. But, man, alcohol was our answer. It was our solution. It gave me all the things that I'm describing to you today. The thing is, is now I'm 57 years old. I'm 34 years sober. I am knee deep in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I love oh, I look down and see if Ali was just sending me a message that my time's up. <laughs> So I, I, I'm, I'm in this program of, of uh, and, and many of you have met some of the guys I sponsored. And these guys are, 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 are soldiers. They're on fire. And they, too, have picked up the tools to dig. You know, Pete's going to come on later and he's going to talk about chopping wood and carrying water. 
I'm guaranteed he's going to say that. Don't know if he's here now, but I'll blow his cover. He's going to talk about that. And he's talking about the tools. He's got to, he uses an axe. Well, when we're doing the treasure, when they're looking for treasure, we need to dig. And where do we need to dig? We need to dig deep down inside ourselves. Because in there, in the last analysis, that's where he's found. That's where the power is found. I turn my consciousness to that. And consciousness is an awakening. You, you look up consciousness in the dictionary. Consciousness is a state of being awake. That's what it is in the dictionary. The conscious, the state of being awake. Learn that on the Wednesday night primary purpose group. Stole that from you boys. I think Ray might have said that one time. It's the state of being awake. Marcus or Mark Houston said, you're asleep dreaming you're awake. I was not experiencing the state of being awake. I was walking through life thinking I was awake and I was asleep dreaming I was awake. And what that looks like is a life based on self. And I would get, even though my motives were good, I would get up in the morning. I stopped robbing banks. I stopped doing the things that got me into some trouble. And I just, I, and I believe that I did, I, I deserved a hero's welcome for that. And I lived my life that way. Every room I walked into, I thought, you know what, if you knew me before, you know, I, I you know, just be grateful. I'm not hurting you. And that's how I lived for 14 years. And I gave the glory to me. That's who I gave the glory to. My consciousness has never, never turned toward God. And so I believe this, this is what I believe is that without the big book and without going through the, these 12 steps as outlined in the big book is that I would, I didn't have a map. I didn't have anything. I had, you know, Charlie and I were laughing about this just a little while ago. It's like you go into a, you know, you can't, <laughs> there's some, some guys that'll say, you know, you can starve reading the menu. Right. And, and it'd be the same as a treasure map. You could sit there and stare at the treasure map all day long, but nothing's going to happen unless you get that shovel out and start digging. Nothing's going to happen unless you start, you know, it's not going to happen. So I think to myself, and I said this to Charlie, I said, you know, okay, so you can starve reading the menu. But you can walk into a restaurant and uh, not have a menu and just do what everybody else is there doing. And that's what happened to me for 14 years. And I was asleep, dreaming I was awake. It's not anybody's fault. That's Alcoholics Anonymous groupthink. That's pockets. That's there's these areas, these places that don't want to hear the kinds of things that we talk about. They don't want to talk about that stuff. And it's not because it, 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 it's just like, no, 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 no. This is, this is, you know, and, and, and enthusiasts around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, they seem to be on fire. They seem to be lit up. They seem to be really, really driven towards carrying this message. That's the last thing I'll say. Living that life based on self, smack dab in the middle of Alcoholics Anonymous for 14 years and having a stable response, I did not have a transmittable message. The minute that Mark set me on my feet and I drove into these 12 steps after that, now I started to carry the message of the 12 steps to alcoholics. Having had the spiritual experience myself as a result of those, I started carrying that message. And that message had depth and weight. That message had purpose. That message had an effect. Just talk to the guys I sponsored. You know, I, I just so enjoyed Ali with sitting with Kuna the other day, like, uh, you know, three weeks sober and, and, and just loving on him and stuff like that and enjoying, you know, and here's a guy who's going to get it one day and it's going to be powerful. And, and this is the message we carry is that you, too, can step from the darkness to the light. There is no other message. There is no other message through this process. You know, you can stay. You can stay in the comatose state, just going through the motions. You can stay in that state for a long time, but until you awaken. Now, here's the thing, and, and, and really quickly, and I think I'm done, right? I'm pretty done, right? 
that's got to be 35 minutes. I've done this many times. Is that 35 minutes? I got five minutes? All right. What am I going to talk about now? I get really excited there. I got five minutes. Let me think. If you look, okay, um, give me two seconds, okay? On page 13 and 14, I don't know if any of you have brought your book to the meeting today. I know most of you are at home. but So if you look at this and it says, uh, there it is there. Okay, so it says, when Bill was in the hospital and Abby came, he says, there I humbly offer myself to God as they then understood and to do with me as they would. That's that's a third step. I placed myself un, unreservedly under this care and direction. I admit if the first time of myself, I was nothing. That's the second step. That without him, I was lost. I ruthlessly faced my sins. That's step six and seven. This is in his hospital bed, guys. This, this is in his hospital bed. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away root and branch. I've not had a drink since. My schoolmate visited me and, and I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. That's step four. We made a list of people I had hurt toward a felt resentment. That's steps eight. Okay. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals. And so his willingness to approach was still step two. I was to write all such matters. I was to test my thinking, the God consciousness within. Step 10, common sense that would thus become uncommon sense. I was to sit quietly asking only for direction. That's steps 10 and 11. The strength to meet my problems as he would have me. I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within. This is in his bed. This is laying in his bed. The, 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 the uh, substance alcohol, he had been separated from the last time. And I don't think, I think it was two days. I think it was two days, two and a half days that he was actually clearing from this. And this is, was his experience. Now, you know, we talk about this a lot when we're, when we're actually looking at the book, but in reflection, he's looking at how this happened. I don't think he's setting in accordance. I didn't, don't think that he thought that 50, 60 years later, 70 years later, we were going to have to clarify for people that these steps were meant to be taken. I don't think he, he figured that we were going to, that the steps were going to be meant to be a year and a half. <laughs> I don't think he thought that. I think when he was looking back and someone said, holy shit, Bill, you're a drunk, you're a piss tank. How did you get sober? And he said, there I humbly offered myself to God. And as I understood him, and this was in his hospital bed. Ebby came alongside of his bed. He told him about his deficiencies. Ebby wrote him down because his hands were shaking too bad. The whole thing happened right there. And that night, he had his barn burning profound spiritual experience. He didn't have the experience and then get sober, like sober in the head. He had not been drinking, did this stuff, and then had a profound spiritual experience. And then he said, I was to test my God consciousness within. He set about his life with a constant desire to turn his consciousness to God. And if you know Bill Wilson, if you've been in his house, you've seen his writings, you've seen his, you understand what selfish and self-centered looks like. And now all of a sudden, He's going to turn his God conscious. He's going to turn to God consciousness. And this is what happens with me is that when stuff comes up, when stuff comes up, even, even this, even this, this stuff isn't easy for me. I mean, it might not seem like that, but it's not easy for me. So I know that I'm speaking with some of my closest friends and some of the best speakers I think are in Alcoholics Anonymous, but I am getting nervous about this. So yesterday I asked God, take this from me and just get me involved in some helpfulness. And it happened. And then I get up this morning. I was actually free. I said that to, to, I think I told Ali that I was like, man, I was struggling with, but what are we talking about here? The treasure map. Oh, like, what are we talking? And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I got 35 minutes. I could talk about the color green for 35 minutes. You know? So 
<laughs> so it's like I'm, I'm really, really happy that all these are here. I am so looking forward to spending the rest of the day with everybody. I wanted to 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 set a foundation here today. I wanted to try anyways, to set a foundation here where we talked about a couple of things, the need for power, accessing that power and the support that we had and the intervention we had from a guy like Mark and people like him. Some of you guys on here are like him. We venerate these people and, and you know, uh, it's very important for us to never forget who impacted our lives. But I got to tell you, you're that guy now. You're that girl. You're that woman. This is the message. You're carrying it. You don't have a clue. And how many people here on Zoom have said that? Man, I heard something 16 months ago on Zoom and it changed my life. You're that guy, that gal. And, and you're charged with that responsibility. And uh, I want to thank you guys so much for believing in me enough to ask me to come here and spend the morning with you, the afternoon. I, uh, I'm looking so forward to everybody. Thanks, guys. Thanks from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for my sobriety and my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.